0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Flip Flops podcast. I'm Angelique Gay, a mom and a writer who recently went through a major life transition. Each week, I invite other creatives and change makers on to talk about their own transitions, a time in their life when they felt completely untethered and lost, which, as it turns out, is completely normal and can actually be life affirming. I'm so thrilled to introduce you to influencer, mentor, founder, red carpet, social media correspondent, trainer. I mean, this woman just does everything. Her name is Jennifer Edinger, and I was introduced to her from Katie Chin, who you might know from the Katie Chin Doesn't Give a Shiitake episode. (laughs) Jennifer and I get into... Her incredible career and kind of this magic carpet ride that she has taken in her life that started with serious illness and has just had so many incredible moments. I don't want to spoil a thing. Here we go. Meet Jennifer Edinger.
1: Hello. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. Thank you. I was just enjoying your podcast with Katie. I loved it. Oh, she's so amazing. She she's is. amazing.
0: Just a bundle
1: of energy. <laughs> yes, she is. Just like you. <laughs> like mine. Like it. Exactly. It attracts energy, right? Like you. <laughs> I
0: love it. Oh, it's so exciting! No, she's uh, she's been so great um, recommending a few women who just seem so amazing for me to chat with, and you are one of them. And my goodness, so I've been doing my research, and whoa,
1: girl! Thank you, thank you, fire! Like thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm very fortunate (laughs) for sure.
0: You are. (laughs) I have so many questions for you, so. As you know, Flip Flops is a podcast about transitions, and you are a multi-hyphenate. You have been through several transformations in your life. So tell us your story from the Fashion Institute of Technology to Fitness and Health Instructor, Fit Your Style, to Social Media Correspondent, (laughs) you know, Oscars, Emmys, all of these fantastic things, and ultimately to CEO of Pink Dreams. You've also
1: written a book. So take us through all of that. Sure, and thank you again for having me. I I so appreciate being here. And really, my career began through a very dark period of my time. And prior, I became sick. But prior to becoming sick, I'm an American girl who also lives in a Canadian world. I'm a dual citizen. I married a Canadian. But taking you back to the FIT New York City days, I was loving life, living the dream, a pink dream, as I like to say, and really enjoying everything that I had, so many privileges in terms of the instructors I had and the opportunities I was given. And surprise, surprise, type A, type A personality. And during that time as well, I'm a Midwestern girl. I'm born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio, and living in New York City and going to fashion school. I had the J-Lo before the J-Lo was (laughs) J-Lo. And so there was a lot of body negativity during this time in terms of really identifying my own self and getting comfortable in my own skin in the middle of one of the top fashion schools. So there were a lot of learning lessons internally in terms of how to find my own self-confidence. And eventually I found that space in my head and my confidence and finished my education there. I earned three degrees at FIT and jetted off to NYU and got certified there as well. And fell in love with a Canadian and moved to Canada and was living the dream job that I always wanted and wound up working for the Devil Wears Prada in real life. And it was a time in my life where I went, whoa, wait a minute, I had a life plan. And now my life plan has been severely derailed because... This wasn't supposed to happen, these challenges. And at that point, the challenges I kept... Sorry, small. what was your what was your position where you were working for, quote, sure. unquote, so, the Devil Wears Prada? Yeah, so I was working for a top auction house. My master's degree, I was trained to be a museum curator or work in the auction industry.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I acquired that dream job. I was loving the job, and it wasn't the job that was the issue at all. It was everything else around the job. So jealousy, and if you made the tea incorrectly, or served the cookies wrong, you used your middle initial in your name for your signature, like really bizarre behavior. And at that point, I realized, even though I couldn't find my truth externally in terms of my voice, my body was just vibing so high that this doesn't serve you that I became very sick and I started gagging like 60 times a day and here I am in the middle of like the most affluent area of Toronto in this most perfect environment gagging in the stairwell trying to get through the the psychological games that were occurring. How old were you at the time? I was in my 20s <clears throat> mm mm-hmm. um, so you know, I didn't know better yet. <laughs> and so at that point, I realized that there's some danger here, and I needed to get out. and I wound up getting out and working for a smaller, less affluent auction house that became such a family for me, and I actually had a more important role of researching at a more higher level. And it was a little too late in terms of my body, and my body just shut down. And it was during that period of time where I was diagnosed with chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, I was sick. I was exhausted. I was anxious. I, was, I wasn't a clinically depressed, but I, I was a little low point for sure. And I wound up bedridden for a year of my life. I had to go on disability checks, and I wound up staring at a ceiling. And to kind of fast forward through all of that, it was a time of real reflection. I was in a different country. I wasn't with my immediate family other than my amazing husband. And I really had nothing but time on my hands to really figure out, hey, I can't stay here in this space. This doesn't serve me. And it was holistic practices and studies that changed my life. And within that year's time of adapting certain modalities, I was able to get myself out of that situation, moved back to the United States with my company's work, for my husband, I'm sorry, his work, and became a certified personal trainer and created Fitcher Style. And Fitcher Style stands for really FIT, style of my undergrad, fitting your style of finding your own truth, finding your own way, finding your own comfort, do what works for you. And Fitcher Style is now proudly in August, 18 years old, I'm very proud of that. What does it mean when people say modalities? To me, it means different spaces, right? Different modalities. So if I want to get specific with you in terms of my holistic modalities, it was, I could only exercise for two minutes a day. That's all I can manage at the beginning, two minutes, but two minutes was better than no minutes. I learned the importance of affirmations. I returned to meditation and the power of, for my own personal self-prayer. I understood that I needed to learn into childhood triggers. I learned about chakra balancing. I learned about mindful eating, being more gentle with myself, and really honoring and taking care of myself. So that's what modalities for me means, these various disciplines of education and spirituality and wellness opportunities, shall we say. To really understand myself and step into my own power once again, because I lost myself, I allowed other people to dictate whether I could use my middle initial, or how my body shape was it accepted or not accepted all these things I kept swallowing. And it was doing a major disservice to my body. Mm hmm. So when Fitcher Style was born, uh, worked in the fitness and wellness industry, we moved back to, it started in Grand Rapids, Michigan, where my daughter was born. And that was the impetus of creating my own business so that I didn't have to go back to work, that I could be a mom and have my own business. That was the intent. And when we eventually moved back to Canada for the second time, I was able to continue with Fitcher Style, thankfully, and wound up on regional television and got involved in social media communities. And those things absolutely changed my life. The regional TV gave me the opportunity to have my own two regional television shows. I learned so much about producing and scripting and interviewing, I did it all, scheduling. I think we filmed 10 episodes in three days and they were in real time. So I would have to strip my clothes off in between the commercial break put on different clothes for the next episode. And this just constantly, like people were lined up to come in and be interviewed. It was crazy. But it was the best experience of being facing fear, doing something new. And from there, being involved in the social media community, I created Pink Dreams. And Pink Dreams was my hashtag along with Fitcher Style. And Pink Dreams to me means P is purpose, I is integrity, N is keeping yourself newsworthy, K is kindness and karma, D is determination. R is your reputation. E is living through your own level of excellence. A is thinking like an athlete. So when we're down on the ground, we still to keep that athletic mindset and crawl past that finish line. M is surrounding yourself with mantras and mindsets, which a positivity, which equals S, pink dream success. So I really believe that this is how I created my company, and that I was afforded all these amazing opportunities because those were the core values that I had in place. So I had posted on Facebook, Pink Dreams, who do I want to meet? And it was to people out in California. I said, I'm coming out to LA. And they said, let's meet. I wound up meeting them. And at that point in time, that Facebook post changed my life. I wound up going from a tour of Insider Television, which was the sister show to Entertainment Tonight, to becoming an online and television commentator for them, to then being asked to be part of something called the Twitter Roddy, which was a collective group of people from all over who would come together and work as something called social media correspondents covering various red carpets. And the irony of all this is, I didn't even know how to tweet, and I was invited to be part of the Twitter (laughs) Roddy. And I was on set and they said, welcome to the pit. And I was terrified. I was the only one that didn't have a Mac. I didn't have extension cords. I was with my pink Dell laptop, I had no idea what I was doing. And they took me under their wing and said, when in doubt, retweet it out. I learned as I went in this trial by error and in this beautiful arena of fire that I placed myself in stepping into this fear. And that forever changed the course of my career. So since that time, was able to serve either as a collaborative effort with Vanity Fair Social Club and Access Hollywood, uh, Insider Television Entertainment Tonight, to then creating the first role in Canada as a social media correspondent for one of Canada's largest networks working not only the red carpet, working the Oscars red carpet, hosting their Oscars parties for them in tandem with the red carpet activations that were going on, and then having the responsibility of also trending them globally as well. So that's how Pink Dreams was created, was actually through word of mouth and this experience. People just kept coming to me and saying, hey, we have a brand, or we have an activation of an event, and we want to have that amplified, and we want to get eyeballs on what we're doing. And so I started bringing my amazing friends together who led by humility, who led by integrity, who understood that they aren't the whole story and they're not leading. Sure, we're all human, but they weren't leading with ego. They were understanding that there was something much bigger than themselves when it came to reporting or being at an event and now we have amazing correspondents across the United States and Canada and into the UK. And that's just a sideline of what we do with Pink Dreams, Inc. In addition to interview series that I directly do. So we have a blast, <laughs> quite honestly. And I, I just love the idea when you brought this from the very beginning that all of this has happened serendipitously, right? There's no agent. I never went to school for media. I just kind of fell into all these beautiful opportunities because good people around me gave me a chance. And here we are today on on your amazing podcast. It's brought me to you.
0: What an incredible story. It gives me butterflies and (laughs) I get that reflex to want to cry. You know, when you're speaking to someone that articulates what you believe and what you uh, have experienced. So that's happening for me right now. Just to let you know, please describe in detail.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) what it was like your monumental first time on the oscars red carpet what was going through your head yeah was it something you had dreamed about your whole life did you have a feeling that you would one day have this experience kind of you know in the secret places
1: of our mind when we Mm -hmm. look to our future yeah what what was going on for you and how did it feel So you almost brought me to tears just now and and total goosebumps. I think many little girls I remember watching as a little girl on our TV when my parents were still together, watching on the red carpet, these beautiful people in these beautiful dresses and tuxes. And it seemed like a dreamland to me. And I thought, wow, like who gets to live in that kind of fairy tale? And I, you know, Sure. I always thought I would love to be in that kind of fairy tale position, but I never, ever, ever saw myself in that role. And the very first time I stepped onto that carpet, it took my breath away because TV does not do it justice. It is so much bigger than we are physically, emotionally. The electricity of the energy is so vibing high, and everything is just majestic. Like even just if you could see how tall all the metal swags are of the gold and the silver around the Oscars. And I loved it because I was a voyeur and I would take pictures of them gilding the last minute of Oscar or painting something on the last minute or rolling down the carpet. Like that's really what fascinated me was this behind the scenes fly on the wall opportunity. And then looking down the red carpet, here I am, me, myself, and I, and my iPhone is how I interview people or cover things. It's always through my phone. And I just would see a sea of international photographers and, hey, there's like Ryan Seacrest next to me. (laughs) And like crazy, crazy uh, feeling of just like, wow how did this little girl from Cleveland, Ohio, you know, wind up on this red carpet? I don't know. But I just believe that how fortunate and what a gift it was. to, And it has been, you know, I, I covered the Oscars for eight years with three of them being on the carpet. What a gift and what an opportunity to stand on that carpet. And a little fun fact is every year after I would leave the carpet, the carpet frays on the ends and in corners. And so I would, take a piece of the carpet and I would put it in a little Ziploc with the date and I have it up in my bedroom just as a little piece to keep with me as a reality of look what you've done look what you were able to to do in your lifetime
0: that's so incredible what was your most exciting celebrity sighting and Mm. then your favorite conversation that you had with someone and why
1: That's a great question. And I think in terms of the red carpet, so my role was on the day before the red carpet, my role was to be every single talent that was about to hit the red carpet. And what I mean by that is I would practice with the main anchor of the entertainment show and the producers would just hand me a piece of paper and it would say someone's name on it, a particular talent's name on it. And I had to carry the conversation with the anchor to be able to be ready for prime live television with that potential person coming up to him. So the stress level was unbelievable because I really had to practice knowing pretty much as much as I could about everyone who potentially would come on that carpet. Wow. Yeah, that was just crazy. I'm like, how did I wind up in this situation? I don't know, because this is just like so uncomfortable. So that really was my major role with that. And then during the Oscars, I was responsible for hosting the entertainment show's party. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the last party we held right before COVID was in the penthouse of the Hotel Roosevelt, Roosevelt Mm -hmm. Hotel, overlooking Hollywood, and the party had two sections to it. We had the worker bees on one side of guests that were there to tweet away and watch in real time the anchors on the red carpet. And then the other side were actually talent that were getting ready to go on the Oscars carpet. And we had hair and makeup ready for them. We had hand massages so they didn't have Twitter fatigue. Uh, The champagne was on that side. So it was this dual party that I was running at the same time. In terms of my favorite interview, it did not happen on the Oscars red carpet. My favorite interview I've ever had, and this is totally going to date me, but I love it anyway, has been with Boy George of Culture Club. Mm -hmm. He is the most beautiful human being ever. And it surpasses any Oscars opportunity I've had, any other red carpet. And I've been very fortunate to cover many. Just the most incredible human being. And I don't think People realize that about him, about how sensitive he is to other people, how spiritual he is, how funny he is, and how human he is. And that definitely, it's on YouTube. Oh, I've seen it. I've seen it. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) I'm just, I want to hear it from your point of view.
1: Yeah. So that was really funny because an hour before, I was working on a television show that he was a guest mentor on. And an hour before I was supposed to go just do behind the scenes coverage and things like that, I was told I was going to be interviewing him and I almost threw up. So I'm like, what do you mean (laughs) I'm going to be interviewing him? Like, that's Boy George, and there's certain people you just can't fake. I don't believe you can fake energy in anything. Like, I'm a lousy poker player, Mm -hmm. so I don't even know how to play, but you would never want me on your team because everyone can tell how I feel. By my eyes and my energy and my facial expressions. So here I am about to vomit. I throw myself into a room. I start researching everything. I'm trying to use my breathing techniques, my holistic modalities back to that part of the conversation we're having. And I'm like, okay, all right, I got this. I'm ready. Until they shared with me, okay, we're going to walk down this long hall. And as we're going down this long hall, they said, well, you're going to interview him in front of all the other media outlets. Oh my God. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Because here I am. You did I... great. Right.
0: Oh, well, thank you. Uh, yeah, yeah. You. You, you, you really had it together. <laughs> I really saw what a pro you are in that moment.
1: You're so sweet. And you'll know why I did great in one minute, because it was totally boy George. It, well, George. So I'm hyperventilating. I, we come into the studio set. Everybody's there with their producers, their cameramen, their lighting crew. And here I am with my phone. And this is another example of kind of going back to FIT and going back to where I used to work when I was dealing with Double Wears Prada and needing to step into my power. There's a history of learning lessons of stepping into my power. When I got in that room, I lost my power. I lost my power because I was very much aware that something called a social media correspondent was not appreciated or understood by mainstream media. And I felt that energy. And I also just took it on in my own insecurities. I'll take ownership of that. That did I deserve to be there? And so Mm. when I first met George, who was absolutely lovely, I said, we're going to go film over here. And I moved him over to a corner. Good for you. (laughs) No. Good for you. Because he said, oh, darling, there's no way we can do this here. Look at this lighting.
0: Oh, Mm. he's so good.
1: Oh, he's so funny. Where did he put me? He put right me right center. smack in the middle of everyone. I literally couldn't breathe. Like I couldn't, it wasn't him. It wasn't my interview with him at all. It was everyone else's eyes and everyone else that I, you know, I've started to feel so insecure around. And he looked at me and what you didn't see in that video is he touched my shoulder and he whispered and he goes, don't be shy with me. And that changed Oh everything God. for That's that interview so beautiful he shifted everything I no longer cared about whether or not people felt I was deserving of being there I was with this incredible human being and I was going to conduct an interview and just be in my space with him and just be human to human and do what I do and so that my friend is my most powerful interview wow. that supersedes anything that happened on the carpet wow the Oscars carpet
0: so for Pink Dreams,
1: yes, you help
0: brands grow their social media engagement. And for you, the authenticity is very important about that. So I was wondering, why is the word authentic so important for you? Mm-hmm. And then can you give us three hacks on how to grow our social media as a
1: brand? Sure. Or as a creative. Sure. So, you know, because I have this background, extensive background in holistic studies and health and wellness, And that changed my life and has continued to change my life throughout my whole 53 years. I've applied those principles to my social media. So I am not your mainstream person for hacks or education on social. And I fully take that on 100% proud that I pink outside the box. Yes, I said that pink outside the box. (laughs) And so I look at social media from a very holistic perspective. I don't believe in perfect curated photos. I believe the more human we can be, the more compassionate we can be, the more we can evoke change. So authenticity to me has been my whole career. The minute I stepped into my own power of truth, the most beautiful things have occurred in my career. And so that's what being authentic means to me on social media, that if we can find our power and strength to share when we have the great days, to share when we're being vulnerable. And again, there are boundaries around this, depending on what type of brand you are, of course. But the more that we can be human to human to one another, I think that's where beautiful things can grow and occur. So the three hacks would be, number one, are you a good listener? And are you listening to your social community? Are you understanding where their mindsets are at right now? Do you understand how they're feeling right now as we reopen this world? Where are they in terms of their fears? What are they excited for? And if you are a brand or service, how do you fit their needs once you listen? And then engage and talk and share with them. Don't talk at them. There are moments absolutely where brands need to broadcast. But absolutely, if we can keep it to a human level and engage and have a conversation, that's where the trust factor comes in. So it's listening. We want to then engage with them. And someone just texted me, my daughter. We want to. <laughs> <laughs> we want to listen. We want to engage and keep it human. And what I really love about this pandemic, if I dare say that, one of the beautiful things I think has come out of that is, you know, we're hearing all about photo dumping right now, that that's such a big thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, millennials are just dumping whatever they have. I think that's beautiful. We're letting go of this false perfection. We're letting go of some of these masks and walls that we keep up. We're letting go of trying to be something that's really difficult to sustain if it's really not who you are, allowing that human connection to happen on social and I've applied this method of thinking to some of the largest networks and various television shows, which then had most beautiful creation of community and earned awards. And it all comes back down to what? Being human and having appreciation and kind of going back to those pink dreams and what pink dream stands for. And so, whether you're a starting entrepreneur or it's a, a large brand, the bottom line for me is it's all about core values and having that human to human touch.
0: Can you give an example of, of a success moment that you've had? Sure. Where you
1: were vulnerable or honest or very human, as you say? Yes. Yeah, so for sure. Right after my Oscars, I had another health issue occur and I blogged about it and I posted it on my Instagram and pretty much it blew up. And I wasn't sure if that was something I wanted to share because during my own self-growth, being a woman who was in her or is in her 50s, you know, I had a lot of strikes against me in terms of ageism being in this media field, feeling the pressures of having to look a certain way or act a certain way. And that's not me. I am me. So the minute I let go of these false expectations that I was not only placing on myself, so I take responsibility, knowing that some of the society wanted me to have these things as well. Again, incredible things happened. And from that particular blog, I've had more people reach out to me in terms of you really helped me with my own self-confidence or embracing my own beauty because of your strength to share your story.
0: Amazing. Tell me about your book. Mm -hmm. and what does it mean to find your inner
1: goddess and who are the goddesses that you used as templates in the book to derive inspiration from sure so find your inner goddess came back to my fit days of again having a body shape that wasn't popular until j-lo came to be and then kim kardashian i'm a curvy fitness athletic frame i always have been and so it was me understanding how to work with my body shape as i was in fashion school my undergrad is in visual merchandising. So I'm the one that would work the fashion floor with mannequins and window displays and getting to really understand not only mannequins, but the body shape. And it fascinated me. And it fascinated me that I know women are so concerned about whether many women can be concerned about whether they fit that fashionable profile or trend that's currently happening. And I wanted to dispel that because I understood my own personal fears and insecurities about having a body shape that wasn't in vogue at the time. And so Find your inner goddess is actually based on five different body shapes that women were no longer called pears or apples, which was designed by a male, by the way, FYI. The The, worst, I know, right? Absolutely, the worst comparisons. Right. So I thought, yes. How insulting! (laughs) Yes.
0: How insulting! And then to put these things in the hands of teenage girls. I mean, yes.
1: Disgusting. Yes, I'm you're preaching. Absolutely. So the intent was to take five goddess shapes, make them hot pink, and whatever shape you are, let's learn how to embrace that shape. I am a former pair, so let's talk about a pear and let's understand your body shape. And we can't carve out there's no such thing as spot reduction. We can work on the whole body in terms of the body itself, but a lot can be a genetics, but let's learn. What can, we, what can we do to our upper body? I'll use myself for example, so I could build a little bit of my upper body shoulders and my arms to have more confidence in my proportions. And also, what can I cannot change? And how do I learn to love that? So there's exercises, and it all starts with everything from the very beginning of our conversations with mindfulness and being present. When you asked me way back when I was sick and how everything came to be, it all started in the mind. So the book actually takes you through mindful exercises. It takes you through exercises based on your goddess shape. There are goddess affirmations included so that you can step into your own power, beauty boosting foods. And it's a 12 week workbook that takes you through a journey of, hey, this is who I am. This is how I'm gonna learn how to love the things that I have challenges for. I'm gonna step into my power for things that I have the ability to change. And at the end of the day, this is who I am. I'm going to love on myself. And I have found my inner goddess. I love it. Thank you. What motivates you?
0: I heard the soundbite from a recent podcast episode you did where you said it's not money.
1: Mm -mm. It's not money. It should be (laughs) a little more as my uh, CPA would say. Uh, I'm kidding. What motivates me is being able to evoke change in someone's life, whether it's from the fitness or wellness side of my companies, or it's the social media and seeing a breakthrough. That is what inspires me. I had a client prior to talking with you today, and she's been with me now for, I think two years and just saying how our time together has shifted so many things for her. That lights me up. That fills me. That brings me so much joy and purpose to my life. And I think that's another reason why working in that entertainment space and around, which we call internally talent, externally celebrities, rarely caught me off guard because I look at people as from a human to human perspective. And yes, I have so much respect for them and their talents. But at the end of the day, it's a human and human coming together. And how can we come together together? and have a powerful conversation. And I hope that you'll, through our conversation, speak your truth that's going to help inspire and evoke change in others. And I think that's been the conduit to my outwardly success. So would you say that that human
0: element and Mm -hmm. stepping into your power and serving others,
1: that's kind of the common thread between all the things that you do? Absolutely, for sure. And it's been not having expectations that have brought the most incredible opportunities to my life. And just for clarity's sake, my life, even though a lot of my Instagram is pink and you're going to see unicorns and yes, I believe in rainbows and all of that. My life isn't always that. There's a lot of, there can be challenges and crisis. I always say you're in a a crisis coming out of a crisis or you know someone in a crisis, Mm -hmm. but it's that grounding component and that self-work really helps us to be grateful when there are the most beautiful opportunities coming our way, that we give so much gratitude to that. And then also when we're faced with such challenges that our strength can be found to stay grounded and stay standing during difficult times. Because whether someone tells you you're the most amazing person they've ever met or you're the crappiest person they've ever met, neither one of those define who you are you define who you are and i think that's so powerful when women especially can step into again that power of their own truth and understand their biggest purpose that so many things can be let go and when you let go you're allowing new beautiful things to come in. So the book that I read that made me
0: start this podcast on transitions really spoke about how we experience change in our life and then a transition is really the emotional journey beginning, middle and end. Mm -hmm. And so the first process is letting go of something and then mm-hmm. you are in an uncomfortable middle. And then once you mourn and go through the uncomfortable feelings, mm-hmm. you're able to start something new. And I'm just mm-hmm. wondering if I would imagine you've been through a process like that. And how did you get from the uncomfortable middle to a new beginning? Can you give Great. an example of going through something like that? Because, and I ask because I'm in the uncomfortable middle and I'm trying to figure out what my next step is. I'm asking for you to kind of share your experience especially after becoming a mother?
1: Great, great question. I hope if you remind me, I want to answer that with two examples. So the first example was I'm at the quote unquote height of my outwardly career. And what I mean by that is what people perceived as the height of my career. So I'm at the height and I'm with the people that I love that I feel are my inner circle family not only to find at the most difficult, challenging time we're at an Oscars that this particular group no longer wants to support. And we're in the middle of a major activation. (laughs) The pressure is huge. And to find this out was like cold water being thrown on me. It was shocking. I probably was shaking from trauma in terms of these are the people I love I can't believe this is happening, period. And I certainly can't believe it's happening at the most, one of the most crucial times of the calendar year in terms of my career and the expectations around the work that I need to do. It was devastating. I left California so sick, so heartbroken that it took years, probably two years to get over the heartbreak and trauma of being told you're too nice. You're too nice. You don't know what you're doing. And at the time, let's be really frank, a lot of was learning as I go. I didn't know everything. Let's be honest. I'm human. (laughs) But never, there was never malice. And so to answer that, here I am, like, with this cold water thrown on me. I'm in a state of shock. I'm in a state of trauma. I come back, and I have to regroup everything because my inner circle as I once knew it is gone and it was a lonely and I'm a fixer. And I always believe that we can make things resolve and we we can talk things out. And there's a way where there's a will, there's a way. And it was one of the first times where no, there wasn't a way. Because there was no interest on the other end to have a, a way, another option to talk about. What it a out. blow. Oh, it, my God. It was devastating. Absolutely devastating. And so I hope this helps in terms of I had to mourn. I had mm-hmm. to journal. I had to do a lot of self-work. And then I had to say to myself, okay, what are you going to do? Are you going to pack up this part of your work and you're not going to do this anymore? Or are you going to get to work? And are you going to get to work to have a better handle on certain things? Are you going to get to work and regroup? Are you going to get to work and recurate? Are you going to get to work and bring in new people? Are you going to get to work? That's the question. And that's what I did. And it was really so powerful because... You've heard me say this so many times in our time together right now in our segment. I had to stand in my own two feet. I had to stand and step into my power. I had to take responsibility for things where I was responsible. I had to let other things go. I had to take on a new role within my business and opportunities, and I had to rebuild. And to this day, I'm so proud of myself that I didn't go back to that other option of just packing it all in, that I couldn't do it without them. I've done it for years now without them and I love them and I send them love, but what a powerful lesson of loss on so many different levels. And then right after my last Oscars, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, I'm go curious, ahead.
0: you said you yeah. journaled and I'm a, I'm a huge supporter of journaling. So did you do yeah. any kind of guided journaling? Was it just
1: about kind of dumping your feelings or oh my like, goodness. Huh? yes. I worked with my mentors. I have had spiritual mentors for 27 years. I've had one for 27 years, no joke. Every two weeks for 27 years, I have two others. And it was a lot of writing letters, what I would want to say to them, since that wasn't an opportunity that was given to me, that the door was closed from this particular group. I had a process. I had to take responsibility for whatever it was from my... World that angered them or triggered them, but how did you know? It sounds like it was a very mysterious ending. So how could you take responsibility for something you didn't
0: understand?
1: Yeah, I I just kind of went back and I just thought, okay, well, you know, I had a lot of anxiety around that. Maybe I demonstrated too much of that. Maybe now I've learned that you can't even you can't mix friendship and business to that level. If you're feeling a certain way, you need to take that those feelings and. And dump that on your mentors, right? Or talk to it with your best friend, but not with people that you feel are your best mm. friends. Like there shouldn't be a divisional line there. I mean, mm-hmm. it was horrible. They were texting in the middle of a major event saying I wanted people to fail. I had people coming up to me crying and screaming. <laughs> I'm like, am I in a bad film? Like what is oh. going on? And then thankfully they all realized that I, they clearly were aware that, hey, she wasn't trying to have this happen. And even with that, they're like, you're just too nice. So like, what does that mean? I had to process what it means to be too nice, to be too kind, and I'm not changing who I am for other people. No, so, there was a lot of just self-reflection. What would I take on in terms of ownership of their words? What would I let go mm-hmm. in terms of things that don't define me? Because if in our conversation I shared, if someone tells me I'm amazing and someone else tells me I suck... Neither one of those define me. So it was a lot of self work. Mm -hmm. And when during right after the last Oscars, I stood at the top looking around and I said to myself, for right now, I believe I'm done. I'm done. Mm -hmm. I've had an amazing eight year ride. Nothing happened at that point. This is a totally different event. And I'm like, I'm so grateful for everything that occurred. Mm -hmm. But I no longer want to be in the flurry of the snow globe. I want the snow to be coming down gently around me and that I pick and choose when I want to build with that snow. But that was very difficult because there was a perceived notion of who I needed to be and who I was. And so stepping it once again into... That's an identity change too, right? Yes, big time. That's intense big time that, hey, I'm not defined by the one chapter, the eight years of being on a red carpet or not on a red carpet. I'm still conducting interviews to this day as we speak. It's in different modalities. I still have talent access, but it's in a different way. But I had to let go of all those false expectations of what how people perceived me. And for you, what I think is really beautiful is that just, you know, sitting with it, honoring it, work through it, it's... To me, that is the secret sauce for getting through something is that self-awareness piece. And, you know, as our dear friend Katie said too, like not caring what other people think Mm -hmm. and just really, what's your soul's purpose? I get to get up every single day and I love my work. I'm so fortunate. I love it, love it, love it, love it. How do you articulate your soul's purpose? My soul's purpose? I think every day my soul purpose is to be a light, a light being in this world. And people can say, oh, come on. Yeah, I believe that the more we put light out into this world, beautiful things can happen. And I really do believe that if we can come from our core purpose of being humanly compassionate and empathetic towards one another and lifting and serving other people, that is where opportunity comes from, and that's my soul's purpose. The rest Beautiful. is fun, absolutely. And there's one thing I did want to share with you because listening to your podcast and hearing how you love Elizabeth Gilbert, I thought you would totally appreciate this uh, story. On my Instagram, "Epray Love" like changed my life. That book is so dog-eared, the yellow pages, the pages are turned over, the highlighted notes, that book really, Richard from Texas spoke to my soul Ugh. and forever changed the way I viewed relationships and my own self, and my own self-worth. And I had posted forever ago, a photo of my book, I'm sorry, Epray Pray, Love, but my copy of the book. And not maybe a year ago, somebody tagged underneath it. I thought, this is random, because this is an old post. this is on Instagram. I'm like, this is old. Okay, whatever. It's all good. And then do I not find out that it is Richard from Texas? No. Son's wife. <laughs> <laughs> what? So I'm blown away because Richard from Texas passed away, and I was honoring him in this post, saying like how he changed my whole soulful path and awareness with his wisdom. like I just thought he was the most brilliant man out there and that the world needed to know more about him. And so she tagged her husband, his son. We started talking. And during COVID, I created a digital series called At Home with Jen and would interview various talent just about mindful topics and topics that had relevance during COVID. And so I said, hey, can I interview you? <laughs> like, I would love to interview you. And so we wound up having the most beautiful interview. He is a yogi. He was near death during the time that his father's career was at its height, as peak. Richard always kept himself humble and raperty said, I would see my dad going in the limo to go to Oprah, and it really didn't matter. Like He was just going to talk to another human being, and he said in his whole life, things were so dark, and he saw his dad and watched his dad and finally said, I need your help so I can get away from the circumstances and the people and the decisions I'm making in my life, and his father helped him. It was like the bonding time of, of Raph watching his dad go through this and inspiring so many people that they were able to come together in a new level Of closeness before he passed away, before Richard passed away. And that forever changed his son's life. And I just thought, wow, the power of social media from one post. To this yet another that human connection. That is insane. Yes, isn't that something? Oh my god!
0: That. I thought you. I'm so. That. I just have my jaws just <laughs> falling to the ground. I just think that's so incredible and beautiful. And oh my god! It, oh,
1: okay. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But this has been this has been my like social media can be such a beautiful, powerful platform. I like to say that Facebook changed my life. Twitter changed my career. Instagram has brought the most beautiful people into my life. I've sold cars from Facebook to people because I'm at an event. So funny. And then the next day they're like, do you have an X kind of dealer? Because I saw you were there. And I'm like, yeah. They're like, I need a car. I'm like, okay. Day after I find out, oh yeah, I bought the car from so-and-so. I've had diamonds sent to me because I lost a diamond when my daughter was born that my husband gave me. And a jeweler said, you put so much love into this world. I'm going to replace your diamond earring never even met this person, What was sent a diamond earring. And so I share all of this, that when we are compassionate and when we are kind, and if we can just stand in that power, which is so scary because we wear so many masks and we have so many walls up. But the minute we can try to pull some of that back, people feel it, people see it, and they want to support and they want to help and they want to lift. And that is where I think the most beautiful, again, opportunities can occur. You're going to make me cry. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you're so sweet. <laughs> and I want to talk to you about being a mom because being a mom is so challenging. And I know your daughter is your child's four? four. Yeah. She's four. So I remember those so days. We, just and so you know, we
0: adopted. So oh,
1: I, congratulations. I, we've been together.
0: Thank you so much. It's a, uh, It's magic. So we were yeah. together two years and so the challenge for me was that i was a new mom and COVID hit and so it's been a very challenging time everything's going fine she's great uh-huh. but it just made the transition into motherhood for me so much more stressful and so in the meantime i'm thinking okay i have to figure out my career now because i was freelance writing and you know there wasn't really much going on and then i kind of came out of my maternity leave, not really sure what to do next. And ultimately, I decided to start this podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know, I feel so much pressure to figure out what I'm doing next career wise. And people keep telling me like, take your time. And yeah, just
1: take your time. But it's it's so hard in this world to take your time. So I guess my question for you is to sit with if you're a tea drinker or a coffee drinker, like get up early in the morning or late at night, whenever it's your like magic time that you can have for yourself and ask yourself, although the world is going at such a fast, fast pace and rate, and people are sharing with you to take your time at the end of the day, it's your path and your journey and ask yourself, Why do you feel so much outward? I keep using the word outwardly, right? I call it the front stage and the backstage. Why is there so much front stage pressure for you right now when you have the Mm. most beautiful gift of a child and that have you self reflected to see and feel what is it that I aspire to do? And then I also believe that so many beautiful things don't happen in a linear way. And when we let that go, that expectation go, that pressure go, some of the most beautiful things that have happened to me happened because of really negative situations in my particular case. So it's kind of like working that through, taking the pressure off, but it really stems from you and being a mom, like what a gift and that nothing, no red carpet could ever, ever, ever take the place of the beautiful, life I have with my family. It's fun. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. But at the end of the day, what's really important to you? And there's nothing wrong with those women or men that are out there that say, hey, that red carpet is my priority. That's my life, right? Because that's where fit your style comes in. You got to do what fits your style. But for me, realizing that these beautiful opportunities I have and amazing clients I have, I absolutely love that I'm able to service them and and mentor them. But at the end of the day, it's I'm by myself. It's me, myself, and I. Then I'm a mother. Then I'm a wife. Then I'm a friend. Then I'm a mentor. Then I'm a correspondent. Then I'm a trainer. It's all those other layers. So to kind of sit with yourself and be with yourself and allow yourself to have this beautiful time of incubation to figure out what your next steps are. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, <laughs> you're so cute. Even in those difficult times, right? To find those slivers that fill you and enlighten you and that that can carry us through those difficult times or those challenging times or those unknown times. And maybe that might help you as well, like navigate your way. Does that make sense? Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. No, <laughs> you are so sweet. <laughs> And you are so sweet and you know what energy is powerful yeah no take your time just take a deep breath energy is so powerful in fact i just wrote for um, a national magazine that's coming out next month because you're in canada right yeah i'm in montreal yeah i thought so um so i just we just finished or i was just asked to be on the cover of optimized magazine about 10 yes. canadian women changing yes. their lives and and that was my coming out article on being a light person so to me, it's not woo woo like this is who I am. And this is the first time, and I don't even know if publicly I can say like it's my coming out because I don't even know if that's politically correct these days. But it is my coming out of sharing how important my spirituality and my self-work is to who I am. And this next edition that's coming out, they asked me to write pretty much like a love letter to the readers about happiness and how we can find our happiness. And happiness is defined by four different quadrants. And so there's a little journal exercise about if you're feeling like you're lacking in this area, this is an exercise for you to try. And it's all based on science. So anything that I write about, I tie back into the academia world. But I was just sharing with you that your feelings and how we're feeling, like vibes don't lie. Energy doesn't lie. You can't see my face right now. I don't have any makeup on, but you can feel me, right? Yeah. And vice versa. So that power of that energy. And you have such beautiful, beautiful energy and power. <laughs> so it's an exciting time for you to figure out, like, how do I want to serve with that, right? Yeah. Well, it's very exciting. Well, like, it's
0: how do you monetize it? It's one thing to be on a journey. But then how does that become more than just valuable, but also, you know, I want to be capable of making a living doing it. So it's, it's, it's that.
1: (laughs) No, absolutely. So again, being very transparent, my companies run on myself and my team. So my, this isn't a hobby, you know, there have been times where I literally have sold my Chanel collection to my best friend because I couldn't pay my workers. Many years ago. And I was happy to say I rebought it back um, for for my daughter. Yes. To get to my daughter. That's huge. Seventeen. I wanted it back for my daughter and my good old best friend said it's here you know, well, you can, you can have it whenever you want it because she wanted to give me the money. And I said, no, I can't do that. Like, here's my collection. And that's my self-worth. And so there have been absolute lows where you wonder and you stay up all night, like, how are you going to pay the bills to then making a six figure income one year, right? Like it's being an entrepreneur is like a step, go, step, go. But from my entire experience, it's about serving. And from that serving perspective, and philosophy the money has come and I can't even like because I've never led with money and the minute I think I would try to do that I think I'd screw everything up (laughs) (laughs) because I'm trying to force it I
0: get it I get
1: it right like
0: I've had similar experiences at a different scale but I know what you're talking about so I believe it I can't wait to read this article it's very hopeful
1: Good, good. And I think maybe doing like some self-work with you and and like working on things and going, okay, I've got the podcast. How can I monetize this? Is it by sponsorship, right? Like getting sponsors on board. That's to me like a no brainer. Yeah. Um, Looking at the other attributes like you've done writing, like can I do freelance writing for entrepreneurs or what else can I do that I love to do that I feel very confident of doing and of being of service and starting to monetize that way. And I think Katie again, hit the nail on the head and I will share it as well. One of the biggest lessons I learned during COVID was to get messy. Don't wait for the perfect website. Don't wait for the perfect program. Just jump in and get started. And I did a lot of speaking around this where I literally would mess my hair up on Zoom and these women would look at me like I'm nuts and I'm horrifying because like I would just mess up my perfect coif to say, get messy. Because those that keep waiting for the perfect moment, the perfect time, the perfect you know, funnel system, the perfect programming, the perfect writing – you're missing out. Like I have a new program yeah. rolling out called Holistically Healthy and Happy. I've been running it for like two years now, but now I've written a group one and I'm rolling with it. And it's going to be heavily discounted because I'm telling everyone, hey, you're my legacy members and I'm working through all of this together with you. So I'm going to make this a lot less money than it normally is to work with me. And together, like I appreciate what you're going to be doing it from your service and I hopefully will be servicing you So I'm just jumping in. It's not perfect. (laughs) Perfect But here's what you're overrated. Yes. Yes. So hopefully that helps you.
0: It does. Yeah. No, I think it's it's very helpful. And it's also about trust, right? It's about Mm -hmm. taking like having patience and having trust and then following what you love doing and then the rest will figure itself out. I really, really believe that. It's just there are moments where you want it to just hurry up, but you can't. You just have to keep doing the work and taking step by step, you know, and then hopefully eventually the
1: answers will come. Uh, Well said. Very well said. Because every single time I try to force something, it never works. Exactly. Ever. Ever, ever. So I hope that stays with you. So there you have it.
0: As I said, this is one incredible woman. And she certainly got through to me and, you know, through all my layers or masks or whatever you want to call them, she got right through to my core on a day where clearly I needed to have a good cry. And you know what? That's okay. People can cry. (laughs) I think we need to, you know, embrace it a little bit more and not worry so much about making other people feel uncomfortable. I'm so grateful that I got a chance to speak to her. And she has introduced me to someone incredibly special who will be coming up on the show. And I can't wait to. I just can't believe it. But that that I will get into that another day. <laughs> it's very exciting. Stay tuned for that. Jennifer had so many amazing nuggets of wisdom. I love how open she was about sharing some really tough moments and how she took a long time to figure things out. And I think that's really admirable and inspiring because you know, life is great, but it's not all pretty Instagram pictures. There's the moments in between that are challenging and that's what this podcast is about is embracing those moments and realizing that if if i if i could just take this advice <laughs> slow down have patience keep doing the work eventually it will come and i really embrace that and i believe it and I hope that I'll figure it out sooner rather than later, but I have patience, and I feel supported by all these incredible women that I have met along the way. I hope you got a lot out of this episode as well. I think her story is so inspiring, and I think embracing authenticity and owning your own power, it can sound like catchphrases, but I think they are worth aiming for, and I think you know it when you see it, and... I think it's really important to be authentic and share your feelings, hence why I left in the crying. Because if I took it out, I wouldn't actually be being authentic. And in terms of stepping into your power, I think it doesn't mean looking like a statue. I think stepping into your power means being who you really are, embracing who that is. So I hope this inspires you to do that. And you're an awesome person. So... that. We know that. (laughs) All right. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Talk soon.